Welcome to the Calvary Lake Ozark Message Podcast. Wherever you are tuning in from today, we hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like more information about Calvary Lake Ozark, visit calvarylakeozark.com. We are in Colossians. We are uh, have been slowly, intentionally, however you want to describe it, walking through the rules of the road for the Christian household. And so we picked on husbands and wives, and I hope, I hope you guys have had some good, fruitful, effective, maybe even difficult conversations for that. We talked about parents and kids, hopefully very similar, difficult, painful, fruitful conversations have come about that. And now Paul turns his attention to the work kind of relationships that we'll have. And again, we have to understand the writing in the context of ancient Israel. And so words have taken on a different meaning and connotation since then. And what we can't do is take our modern understanding of a word and try to read it back into Scripture. And I think that's something that happened horribly in the 1800s, that the Word of God was used to try to defend the slavery of people in our country here. And that's not what Paul is talking about. That biblical slavery, that's a whole nother context. I wish I could, we could geek out for a whole uh, series about what that looks like. But you see in verse 22, it says bond servants. That's our first word. In scripture, that word is actually used in high regard and respect. And some of your, uh, if you have a different translation of the Bible, might say slave. And so our immediate reaction is to go back to uh, kind of a very deep, dark history of our country. And, and those are two opposite connotations. That a bond servant, sometimes you were just poor, and so you would give yourself to someone to work for them so you could pay off debt or make money. They, and so Paul is talking about in the sense of we all have an occupation and we are working for someone. And how does that relationship look? And so bond servants, that's the same word Paul used of himself of Jesus, we are bond servants. We are servants of the Lord. But he's saying, bond servants, if you are serving someone else, so if you, if you don't have any ownership rights of your own, right? Like you don't own the building, you don't own the business, and you are serving someone else, this is for us. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the, wa- the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of hearts, Fearing the Lord, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. God's not going to turn a blind eye to it. You reap what you sow, but masters... So if it is your name on the building, if you are the one in charge, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, equal. Treat them right. Treat them proportionate, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And so, you know, the connection between husband and wife, we've seen that. We've seen the connection between father and child, and now we're talking about master and servant. And we're responsible to the commands that were given in Scripture, husband and wife, right? We are responsible for that. And the same for parents and kids, if 
the biblical definition of marriage is kept. And the same if a biblical definition of uh, a family is kept. So just quick little side note. So if there's abuse in any of those two relationships, I, I, I think a thing, uh, and this is a, a, a black eye with pastors and, and history as of recent, that in a marriage context, one spouse may be being abused. And the pastor would just say, you just need to submit to him more, and then the abuse would stop. That is not what we're talking about. That if there's abuse in any of those two relationships, so even if a student would come to me, like, okay, I'm supposed to obey my parents, but there's abuse. Oh, yeah, that's not what we're talking about here. This isn't used to prop up abusive relationships between any of that. And so I just want to be very clear in that. If there's, if there's any issues like that going on in your marriage or in a parent-child uh, relationship, um, yeah, that's not, oh, I just need to submit more. I need to do better. No, 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 that's abuse. And that's not the biblical definition of marriage and family. But when there is that definition and that is being held, we are responsible to it. But what about if we have just a jerk boss? You know? Is it like, oh, he's not being a good boss. And so I don't have, I'm not responsible to serving and obeying him. Well, kind of Paul gives the connotation like, no. Like, yes, if the marriage, biblical definition of marriage is not being kept, okay, we, we, there needs to be a conversation. That you're almost kind of released from that law a little bit. Same thing within a family. You're never going to look at a student and say, oh yeah, you just need to obey your parents as they abuse. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. But if your boss is just kind of a jerk and he's mean, now if he's hitting you, like we're not going that far, but it's like, what if you just guys don't just get along? Like, what if he's not even a believer? You could even read the Old Testament story of Joseph, served Pharaoh. Last time I checked, Pharaoh, not a believer, not a believer. But he served him faithfully because he was serving the Lord and he wasn't serving his earthly boss. But it does matter how we respond as servants to those that are in authority above us. And so how do we respond as a servant to someone else, even if they kind of are a jerk and we really don't like them that much? Listen to what Paul says. There's the three verses here, 22, 23, 24. He first starts and he says, fear the Lord, right at the end of 22, with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Your response to that, the, the boss, the master that you have over you within your occupation should first and foremost, your response should be because you fear the Lord. And then you look at verse 23, he says, work for the Lord. So you're not working for him or her. You're fearing the Lord and you're working for the Lord in what you do. You might be thinking, well, we usually use that idea of working for the Lord in ministry. We're all in ministry. It doesn't matter who signs your paycheck. We're all in ministry. So you could be a teacher, you could be a lawyer, you could be a doctor, you could be, you, wherever you work, that's your mission field. And Jesus said the fields are white, ready for harvest. The, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we're all in ministry. So we're working for the Lord, even if we have other tasks that our earthly master wants us to do. But we are working for the Lord. And look at verse 24. You are serving the Lord Christ. 
So the manner in which we serve earthly masters that are over us is a reflection of how we are serving the Lord. Meaning, if we do not humble ourselves and serve our earthly masters well, we are not serving the Lord well. And that's hard. Because some of us really don't like the earthly masters that we have over us. And that's where Paul wants to say, keep an eternal perspective. Understand who really is master of all, and that is the Lord. So fear the Lord, work for the Lord, serve the Lord. And so what are some ways that this is practically carried out in the master-servant context? Well, number one, not by the way of eye service, meaning only when the boss is looking. I've seen, especially with the advancement of technology, uh, one guy was in his office and he has his computer on and he's just playing video games, right? But he has it set up that there's a sensor on his office door so that when somebody not opens the door but just walks through his door, the sensor switches the computer program back to his work program. So he doesn't even, he could be in la-la land just video gaming it up and the boss walks in and boom, he's working because there's the, I'm like, wow. Because if the boss is looking, that's when we need to be working, right? And we make that joke. Oh, here comes the boss. Let's get busy. Let's, let's, let's look like we're doing something here. That's the way of eye service. And Paul would say that that's not how we as followers of Jesus are called to serve our earthly masters. I love the line when I was a youth pastor and our senior pastor would be away. We'd always say, you know, when the cat's away, the mice will play. I mean, I was even gone this week at a conference and out of town and, you know, kind of call back and how's everything going? How are the mice doing? Because even Jesus, is that not the same connotation that we are waiting for the return of the Lord? Well, what do we do until we are waiting for him? Serve. And when he does return, we want our master to find us doing the last thing he called us to do. That we shouldn't be shocked or nervous or anything about our master returning. I'm ready because I'm doing the last thing that he's called me to do. And the same should be for our earthly masters because it has nothing to do with who your boss is. It has everything to do with who you are. Because if you have only eye service obedience, it's a reflection of poor character and weak integrity. Be who you are regardless of who is watching. And obviously you could take that and apply it to many aspects of our life as followers of Jesus. But here Paul is talking about our work relationship. So if the boss is there or not, what is asked of me, what is responsible of me to do? That's not just earthly work. That is kingdom work. And I think it matters because, again, if our workplaces are our mission fields, but I'm the lazy one, I'm the one that never wants to do much, I'm the one that's like, by the way of eye service, and let's just be honest, we know that. They know that about us. You know what we lose when we have that eye service kind of obedience? An opportunity to speak into anybody's life that we should allow our strong character and our strong integrity, that will allow us to speak into that. Because again, it's our mission field. That you might be able to lead your earthly masters to the Lord because they find you faithful. Again, think of Joseph, served faithfully regardless of who was watching 
and God always uh, appointed and kept moving him along with greater and greater responsibility. Not because of who his boss was. I mean, he had one job where his boss's wife was trying to sleep with him. And then he got accused for it and lost his job for it. And he did nothing wrong. Got thrown in prison for it. But he was a person of strong character and we are called to do the same. And so he says, whatever you do, and in the original Greek, it reads this way, whatever if you might do. Have you ever asked that question? What does the Lord want me to do with my life? Maybe you're 18 and you're sitting on a metal chair in Savannah, Missouri on the track. It's like 104 degrees and you're in a black graduation cap and gown. Or was that just me? That was just me. Okay. And all of a sudden the reality of life hits like, oh man, I'm an adult. I don't have the adult maturity, <laughs> but the world looks at me and says, you're an adult. And you're having that question, I really wasn't even walking with the Lord, but I'm still asking the question, what am I supposed to do with my life? And even as followers of Jesus, we ask that question, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? And so many people stress over what they're called to do. A lot of, I've had students tell me that, like, I just, I just, I, I, I want to know what, what is the Lord calling me to do with my life? And we, we really, a lot of anxiety, think about that. Let me give you the biblical theological answer. You ready for this? Whatever. What am I supposed to do with my life? Whatever. The Lord's okay with that. Whatever. You have free will. What are you gifted at? What, do you, what interests you? What do you like? Maybe that's something that the Lord's trying to have you pursue, but go with it, whatever. A lot of times we want this mountaintop moment like Moses with the burning bush and this is God. Nah. I know I have to do that to try to have a God voice because I don't have that deep of a voice, right? Try to make Mickey Mouse a little deeper. We all want that kind of exposure in that moment with the Lord that he's going to speak to us and this is what I have for your life. And a lot of times we stand and we're looking at the ceiling or up at the sun and thinking, okay, Lord, I'm ready for that moment whenever you are and we hear. And you even think, okay, well, in ministry, you have to be called into ministry. And there is a, there is a concept for that, but also, I mean, think of Isaiah. The Lord said, whom shall I send? And Isaiah's like, here I am, I'll go. You know, the Lord didn't call Isaiah. Isaiah called the Lord. Hey, I hear you got a job opening for a prophet that you, you know, that he, he was about the Lord and what he was doing. And he knew that these people needed to hear a word from the Lord. Well, who's going to go? I'll, I guess I'll go. Even in the New Testament, even talking about pastors. If you look at 1 Timothy, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, Paul doesn't say if anyone is called by God. That's a little better. A little better lowered God voice. If anyone aspires to it. If it's something that you feel, you know what? Love the church, love what's going on. I feel like I have giftings and talents that, and, and a passion for the Lord and for the gospel. If anyone aspires to it. That we're not always going to have that big God moment that like, oh, this is my life's work. And if you've had that Thank you. I'm so glad that you got that and the rest of us didn't. We're just so happy for you. The rest of us had to figure it out and make a lot of mistakes and you know, earn a lot of dumb tax to figure out what we were supposed to do with our life. But I really do believe, now, God cares about, you know, you can't do something outside of the bounds of Scripture. You know, like, oh, I could be a hitman for Jesus. No, that's not what we're doing, right? 
Like there's a sphere of what is acceptable in following the Lord. But within that sphere of it, he kind of says, hey, here's free will. What, what do you like to do? So what are you supposed to do with the rest of your life? It's whatever. But whatever you do, it's not about what you do. It's about how you do it. And that's what I love about the church. It's very eclectic. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every occupation. It's kind of nice. But the focus is how we do it. You know, my grandma always used to tell us, mind your manners, mind your manners. I really didn't know what that meant. I just knew, don't act stupid or she's going to smack me. She really didn't hit me, but mind your manners. But the manner in which we do something, it actually can be more significant than the actual task that we do. It's not even that we want to do these great things. Like if we just do small things with great love, that'll have a greater impact than trying to do some big initiative, but we don't do it with our whole heart. And that's what Paul is saying. Work heartily. Work heartily means accomplish from the soul. See, we work from our soul for the one who made our soul. Like you hear artists talk about that, like let it be music or, or artwork, paintings, pottery or something like that. Like, oh, I just poured my soul into this. Well, that should be for all of us. Like if, if you're a janitor and you're going to mop the floor, you should look at them, poured my soul into that. There's nothing wrong with that. You're training a horse, pour your soul into that. Maybe you're a teacher. Pour your soul into that. Because of the occupation? No, because of who you are in Christ. That the gospel has so transformed your life that even the earthly occupation job that you have, you're going to pour your soul into it. Why? Because that's what the Lord has called us to be. These are the type of people that should be, that are following Jesus. Like, Christians should be the best employees. Just going to call it. Not the weird, awkward ones, like, hey, you want to come to my prayer meeting? No, like, yes, invite people into your faith, but don't be weird about it. Be normal. We already have a Brad rap, right? Like, but we should really be the best employees. That even a, a master who is not walking with the Lord should say, I, I don't know if I believe in this Jesus or not, but if, but if I had to hire five people, I'd rather hire five Christians than not. Why? They just work from their soul. It's almost like they're not working for me. It's almost like they're working for somebody else because I know I don't deserve the amount of from their soul that they're pouring in to the responsibilities that I've given them. So work heartily. Work from your soul because Paul says, you're serving the Lord Christ. So whatever your occupation is, like go home, look at your paycheck, whatever the name is up there that is signed it, you're working for the Lord. That, that's who his, and, and there's probably a reason or a, a possibility of, there's a reason that God has you there. That you get to influence and reach out. You get to people that are lost and without hope get to rub shoulders with somebody that loves the Lord, that has hope, that has a faith, that there's peace about them. So you're serving the Lord Jesus. But the danger is that we can become too nearsighted in our roles and our responsibilities, that we're not seeing the kingdom impact. We're just trying to get, you know, we're working for the weekend. And that, that can be hard. Because again, 
yeah, we all need paychecks and stuff like that. But the Lord, from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. We're not working for a paycheck. We're not working for a vacation, two weeks. We're working for an inheritance. And the manner in which we serve our earthly masters, there's a connection to our inheritance and a reward from the Lord Jesus and how we have served. Because if we can't serve our earthly masters well, why would there ever be a thought that we could serve our spiritual masters? Master, well. And so we're serving the Lord Christ. And we may never know some of the greatest impacts that we've made through our faith and obedience to Jesus. Some of the things you're just, you're just working, you're accomplishing from your soul, you're just pouring yourself out and whatever it is, and other people could see that or the impact from it, you may never even know the impact that you're going to have. You know, that's the hard thing about student ministry, the long game. You're planting seeds. And then in like 20 years, you're going to get a call from some snot-nosed kid that you didn't like in youth group, right? Like that was the kid that when he didn't show up, you were like, hey, it's going to be a good Wednesday. But they came every week, and it's like, all right, love your enemies, here we go. Then in 20 years, they're going to call you and say, hey, you, you, you probably never knew the battles that I was fighting as a teenager and some of the struggles that I would leave at home and just come to youth and try to find a, just a safe spot just to be a dirty, rotten teenager. And that, that impact was just huge that you poured into my life and that you loved me unconditionally. Not that I've received. I've received a few calls like that but I've made a few calls that same way. That people will never know the impact. That you, you will never know the impact that you'll have on somebody's life and what you are doing. And, and really, honestly, this is how the Lord designed it. So turn to Matthew 6, if you would. Matthew chapter 6. This is in the context of giving... So don't, don't come at me like, oh, you're taking the Bible out of context. It's in the context of giving. And I'm going to apply it to our serving because giving is an act of service. But he says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. So we're serving. There's going to be times that, you know, like go back through all the things that we just talked about as a husband, you know, there's, there's going to be ways that you're going to be pouring yourself out as a husband that your wife doesn't even know or acknowledge what you've done for. And that can be frustrating at times. Wives, do you ever feel that way? You come home and the house is clean, the laundry's done and other dishes and everything like that. And he just walks in, sits down on the chair, no accomplishment whatsoever, no acknowledgement. And you just feel like you're pouring yourself out. But the right hand's not knowing what the left hand's doing. That can get frustrating. In our jobs, how many times we go, try to go above and beyond in a project or working and doing something, and you're, you're like sitting around waiting for like the boss to say, hey, Nick, I've really, you've really been getting after it this week. I really appreciate that. Except nobody comes into the office. They just keep on walking past you. And then you're like, why, why am I even working here? What am I doing? I might as well just get the little sensor for my doorway on my computer here. Why am I giving 110% effort here when I'm not getting even 100% acknowledgement? Or even as parents, everything that you do for your kids, 
Can we use that line? Come on, like, let's just be honest. We've, we've all said it to our kids. You don't even know everything that I've sacrificed and I've done for you. When I say that in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I sound like my parents right now. <laughs> I never wanted to sound like them, and I sound like them. Sometimes even as kids, that we're trying to faithfully obey our parents and, and not be really bad kids, and that can be a, a frustrating thing because it's like your parents don't even recognize what you've done and, and how you're, you really are trying. Keep serving. Keep faithfully obeying Christ. Why? Matthew tells us. So that your giving, your serving, your whatever that is, may be done in secret. And so if you take away anything from this morning, this is it. Like It's in bold on my notes. This is what I want you to walk away with. I want you to chew on this week. I haven't been able to let it go and how the Lord's been impacting my heart and my mind. And so I hope you hear this. When we're not highlighted or recognized for what we've done in any of those roles, husband, wife, spouse, parent, child, our job, occupation, servant, or master. Maybe you're trying to serve your employees well, and there's, when we are not highlighted or recognized for what we've done, that could be the Holy Spirit securing that only the Father sees what you're doing. Let me say that again. Yeah, nobody came into your office to tell you how great of a job you've been doing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in securing, no, 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 this, this right here, that's just for the Father. Because we're working for the Father. We're working for His eyes only. I let go of my spot there in Matthew 6. Because if you keep reading, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Isn't that freeing? Doesn't that, doesn't that bring better context to what it means to serve the Lord Jesus? Doesn't that help to let go of a bitter heart? Do you feel like you're just pouring yourself out in whatever context of relationships and you feel like there's no acknowledgement? And now I get it. Like, it's always good to hear a, a well done, a little pat on the back. But I think there's times that the Spirit says, you know what? We're, we're going we're gonna to do this in such a way that only the Father's going to see this because you're serving the Lord Jesus. Because he wants to reward you for this. And, it, and if we say it out loud, it sounds kind of foolish. Like, do we want to be rewarded by men and with things that the world has to provide for a reward of doing a job well done? Or do we want our Father to reward us? Can we trust the Lord? Can we trust the Spirit to say, hey, this right here that you've done, that you've served faithfully the Lord Jesus in your earthly occupation, in your relationship, whatever. Can, can you just trust? You want the Lord to reward you for this one. And so what do we do? We wake up every morning. We go to work on our normal, everyday, mundane jobs. And we serve the Lord Jesus. But what do we do if we don't get recognized? Just trust that the Lord sees it all. And just even I encourage you to start saying that. The Spirit is securing this for me. The Spirit is securing this for me. There is so much freedom in that. 
Because one day you will stand before the creator of everything. And Jesus will hand out rewards for what we've done for the kingdom. It's called the Bema Seat. That's happening. So one day we'll stand and, and everything that we have done, he'll reward us for. And again, some of the things that we've done, we probably didn't even know the impact that it would have. But are we working for results? Or are we working for the Lord? So I just encourage you, keep faithfully serving the Lord Jesus in whatever role you have. And some of you have multiple roles. And you're like, you're spinning plates. Amen. The Lord sees you and is faithful to think, you know what, I can give them more plates. That you can be a husband and a father and a, a master and a servant and a good friend. And, a, and you know, there's, there's a lot of plates there. Just trust the Lord. That what he's giving you, there's reason for it. Are you going to see it? Nah, not always. And don't get bitter by that. Don't allow your heart to become numb to that. Just trust. I want that for the Father's eyes only. So Lord, we come before you this morning and we surrender our lives to you as servants, as masters, as children, as parents, as wives, as husbands, in any role, responsibility, in any relationship that we have, we are serving you, Jesus. And I pray that that mentality would absolutely overshadow us. And we ask that you would forgive us when we get bitter and frustrated by a lack of acknowledgement when we do serve and try to accomplish from our soul the work that is set before us and we thank you that you are a father who gives good gifts that you have a given a promise that you'll reward us for how we serve faithfully you so regardless of those relationships, regardless of the roles that we sit in, I pray that we as a congregation, as a church, that we individually would always keep our eyes focused on you, Jesus. And even just one more time, we ask that you'd put your hand upon our brothers and sisters that worshiped this morning, who will worship this week, under the threat of persecution. Strengthen their faith and let it be an encouragement to us to strengthen ours as well. We pray this all in the name of Jesus and everybody said,